Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. The Danny Mac Show with BK Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. All right, away we go. It's the Monday edition, the Danny Mac Show on 101 ESPN with BK. I'm Danny Mac. Tanner is with us. Gentlemen, it's a new week. Did we have a good weekend? What I was able to enjoy? Yeah, I had a great weekend, What do you mean, able to enjoy? I've been busy, Dan. (laughs) So what? It's been great. How are you doing today, Dan? I'm doing great. You should have had a great weekend. Yeah, it was a good one. What did you do? I uh, did a lot of blues games over the weekend. Well, that should be an <laughs> enjoyable experience. Yeah. If I had a voice left, it would be more enjoyable. <laughs> well, if you <laughs> need to take the hour off to get ready for your show, go ahead. I'm good, Dan. How you doing this morning, my I'm friend? I'm doing you great. sounded great with Randy Carricker so far today. It was fun. Hey, man, we're doing, we're doing sports talk for a living. That's right. We got the Sharks tonight. We got the Blues and the Sharks. What do you think? I'm making more of this because I'm trying to build it up. I want to see Bennington go crazy tonight against Kane. I want to see some fights. I want to see old-time hockey. I want to see gloves flying, hats flying. I want to see helmets flying. I want to see it all. Let's go. Yeah, I think that's exactly how it's going to go, Dan. That's not going <laughs> to go that that's way. that's how hockey works in 2021. That's not how it's going to go, BK. <laughs> We did see the return of Tarasenko, though. Mm-hmm. I thought he looked pretty good. About 16 and a half minutes of total ice time, four shots on goal, took a shot, and then delivered one. I like that. I thought he was going to score there in OT. It looked like he was going to score, and I thought, oh, storybook, return. I thought we had it. It was close, but I thought he looked good. I thought his return to the ice looked pretty darn good. Yeah, I thought Saturday night's game was a lot about, like, you can look at it in the micro versus the macro, right? The micro, damn, how'd you lose a game that you were up 3 nothing in? Yeah. Like, you you got to win that game. And the macro, though, got a point. Yeah. You got a point, and right now you've been on a five-game road trip out in California, and you've had a point in every single game so right. far in California, despite the fact that you're without, like, half of your lineup right now. And right. not just guys, not dudes that are at the bottom six. I mean, some of your best players have been out now for a month or so, and you're finding a way to win despite that. So I thought Tarasenko gave them a bit of a boost on Saturday night. They came out and looked great in that first period. Second period, things started to go downhill a little bit. But as you said, they had a great opportunity to be able to win that one in overtime. Didn't go their way. Puck luck sometimes doesn't go your way. But you get the you get the point, and hopefully you're able to escape with at least one tonight. And you found a way through this California road trip, despite your best players being out. Feeling pretty good about it. Tim Kirchin of ESPN will be our guest coming up later in the hour. Uh, Miles Michaelis did not throw his bullpen session yesterday. So now are we starting to get a little concerned? According to Derek Gould of the Post-Dispatch, Michaelis went through his motion of his delivery with a glove in his right hand. Then he went and chased fly balls during pitcher's BP. The Cardinals are going to have him throw an aggressive bullpen on Wednesday. What does aggressive mean? Well, we'll find out on Wednesday. John Mosellock telling KMOX on Sunday, quote, there has to be a sense of urgency if we expect him to be active by the time his turn in the rotation comes. I think if all goes well in his bullpen session, there's a chance he could break with the club when we head north. 
But the clock is ticking, and we're definitely keeping an eye on that as something we have to watch. Hopefully, by the time I'm talking to you next week, we'll have a pretty good idea if that's realistic or not. End quote. Mike Schilt on the decision to delay the Michaelis return. We started looking and putting his trajectory together a little bit for the season, and we feel like you know we can confidently get an aggressive bullpen, not just a bullpen at 80%, just to test it. So we're going to get um, more assertive with his bullpen on Wednesday, where he feels completely free and easy, but he's recovering well. The, the soreness is, is um, all but gone. The shoulder, we feel comfortable and confident. That's basically what it was after some layoff. But we are being a little cautious uh, with Miles, and we feel like we got a really quality plan with him. Well, this is where I get concerned. This is not the forearm. This is not the elbow. This is the shoulder. And, you know, it's March 8th, but time is of the essence now. You've been through one turn in the rotation for a couple of guys. Second time through. Jack Flaherty threw on the backfields for his second time through the rotation. We saw Adam Wainwright. Boy, was he good again yesterday. That's his second time through the rotation. BK, we haven't even seen Miles Michaelis on the mound. So that is of concern for me as we look ahead to April 1st and the opener in Cincinnati. Yeah, at this point, Dan, and there's still time, maybe they'll able they'll be able to find a way to make him work his way into the rotation by opening day. I'm not counting on it now. Um, and that's okay. They can make it through. The first month of the season, one thing that works for the Cardinals is that they have three off days in April. That's going to allow you to finagle some things in your rotation if you want to. Actually, it's three out of the first 15 days and four days off in the first 22. So Perfect. they can they can play with it a little bit. So, yeah, you've, you've got some opportunities there. And basically the way that that will help you is you can kind of go with a four-man rotation. Or if you want to go with five and give, give some guys some off days, you're basically skipping a start through that first few times in the rotation. That helps you so it's not a killer that you don't have Michaelis for that first month or so. The problem is if this becomes something that is a recurring issue for him, now we've got to get this shoulder thing figured out. And that's a bigger concern for me for the long term than the short term. Hopefully it ends up being fine, but my the alarm bells are starting to go off for me now. It's it's no longer just a, a small issue that they had to push him back a little bit. For. No, I, I agree. I, I think you do have to be concerned with this. And then you start looking at other options. Adam Wainwright yesterday, one hit and one earned run. It was a hit that was win aided by Jose Altuve, a triple off the wall and right. It was about 25 miles per hour out to right field. Normal day. That ball is caught three innings five strikeouts and he's talking about the pitching depth that the cardinals do have we have guys that can that can uh that can hold the fort down or even be great quality starters themselves that are just waiting in the wings waiting for that opportunity so and right now miles is on the on the way back i think he's going to start throwing bullpens tomorrow or the next day or something like that they said and then he's supposed to be good to go but i, I think you'll see our our starting rotation get crisper as the game as the spring wears on as they get more innings carlos pitched great over in the caribbean series we know he's he's got some some quality innings in him and i don't think anybody's really worried about jack or any of the other guys either we just got to go out and, and make quick innings and get ahead and make it easier on ourselves like right now uh, a few of our guys are just making it a little tougher than it needs to be. It's already hard enough. Yeah, first time through a rotation, even second time through a rotation in spring training, when guys don't have a good outing, I don't really care. It's about building up arm strength. It's about building up pitch counts and results. If you have a good game, great. If you don't, I'm like, eh, so what? Jack Flaherty didn't look good in his first time out. KK, 
not really worried about it. It's about coming out of it clean. Um, but when you don't even make the start, like Miles Michaelis, that's when you have the problem. You had the chance to visit with Jim Duquette. I love listening to Jim Duquette. Now, he's had a long time in baseball front offices, and you guys asked him, do the Cardinals have that depth in their pitching, in their rotation, in their bullpen to handle a situation if Miles Michaelis isn't ready to go? So if it's a short-term miss, that you know, I think they can kind of piece it together, right? Ponce de Leon, they still, they still have it. He's been effective for them. I think, you know, you, you can – I know Hudson won't be back this year, but you can piece it together. I think you could – I think they're stretching out Reyes, which I'm kind of curious what that's going to look like. We know he's had the health issues, so you have to be careful there. But you can, you can, I think, find you know a, a couple of starts uh, from within um, short term, you know, to help kind of guide Michaelis through a season. But what what you are concerned, and I think wrote what you're what you're talking about is a, a real concern. Like, how long is this going to linger? Like, you, you need some kind of certainty or, or reliability uh, at some point. There are arms there. Daniel Ponce de Leon. Could it be a John Gant? I personally like John Gant in the bullpen. Johan Oviedo. Maybe a Jake Woodford. We saw Jake Woodford throw out of the bullpen yesterday. Two scoreless innings. Walked one. Struck out two. We've seen Matthew Libertor. He's not ready. Uh, He's just not consistent inside the strike zone. There's flashes of brilliance. For instance, yesterday he spun off a breaking ball. It's the best breaking ball I've seen in camp. Even better in Wainos. He looks like a top prospect right now. He does. Just not consistent. Yep. Got to get consistent. Alex Reyes, by some of the comments I've heard and read and what I see and how they're using him, and I know a lot of fans are saying put him in the rotation. I get it. But by how they're using him, I think they want to build up arm strength and innings out of the bullpen. So your candidates would probably be, in no particular order, Daniel Ponce de Leon, and I'm including Martinez is now moving from a fifth starter to a fourth starter if Michaelis isn't there. Daniel Ponce de Leon, John Gant, Yoan Oviedo, Woodford. There's some others, but those would be probably off the top of my head, BK, the top candidates looking at it right now. Yeah, and I think of those four, the one that I would feel the most confident in, at least for the here and now, is Daniel Ponce de Leon. I think he's earned the opportunity. And I know there were times last year where his pitch count got up a little bit. That's probably going to be a concern again this year. That being said, you go into the season with almost all of your starters not being too worried about that because you can piggyback. That's the nice thing about the bullpen depth that they have. Maybe Reyes isn't a starter, but if Ponce goes and you have Reyes coming behind him and you've got three innings from Ponce and three innings from Reyes as the bridge guy to get to the back end of your bullpen, I feel pretty good about where they're at on those days when Ponce is starting. So I think they've got enough to be able to cover it. The problem is if this is a long-term thing, that's when you start getting to the point mid-June, mid-July, Now do we need to go get something externally to be able to cover for these innings? That becomes a possibility. But for the here and now, the Cardinals have a lot of depth in that pitching staff, and this is part of why that is so valuable for them. So if you're wondering about Jake Odorizzi, he signed a multi-year contract with Houston, got about $30 million guaranteed. There's Rick Porcello out there. There's Cole Hamels. But there's the internal options that seem to be very good for the Cardinals. And again, out of the bullpen for the Cardinals, at least in my mind, multi-inning guys, Cabrera, Gant, Reyes, to your point. And that's something to keep an eye on uh, with St. Louis. So that kind of gets you caught up to date on what's happening uh, with the St. Louis Cardinals. Again, coming up later in the show, we'll visit with Tim Kirchin. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise.
Tim Kirchin is coming up later in the show. Love visiting with Tim. He's one of my favorites. You talk now. You know I love baseball. You know BK. I love I, baseball. I know you. You are among the people that I know that loves baseball more than anything. Um, I got home yesterday. I did not watch the Royal interview. I know you may find that shocking. I did watch Ali Frazier. Uh, I actually ESPN. did watch some of the Royal interview. I found myself oh, more no. compelled by it than I expected to be. What did you take out of it? Oh, well, stuff that I would prefer not to talk about on the air this morning. <laughs> Why not? Um, but it, we got it, plenty of time. It was relatively explosive. I will say this. Oh, come on. If you're going to make an explosive comment, um, about the royal family. Don't make the comment and then say, I'm not willing to tell you who Ooh, made yeah, that comment. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like, okay, well, then all we're going to spend the next God only knows how much time doing ah. is speculating on who that person was. So it ends up potentially even being worse for them than it oh, would no. have been otherwise. No, I, I think they may have played it perfectly. Part two. Oh, yeah. now we get more out of this. Let's give you another $8 million for part two. That's how you play that baby out. Dan, you know, so there are texters that will text in. Our text line, 65780, is our comfort service text line. We love you. We appreciate you guys texting into the show. But there are some people that text in. They're like, ah, it's just it's always commercials on this station. Man, watch that interview last night. And now come back to us and think about how many commercials they played during that thing. So, it was like 70% commercial driven. You know why? Um, I read... I think it was this morning. I was up this morning, BK, at about 4.30, I think. Okay. So I was, sometimes I sleep, sometimes I don't. I have that curse if you want to, if sometimes gotcha. it's good, sometimes it's bad. So it was either 4 or 4.30 and I was scouring the internet. They were getting, I think it was either 325000 or $350,000 per spot. Oh my God. So that's like Super Bowl or about a third of what they get in the Super Bowl. Right. So, um, the, so to, to put it in comparison, the NBA All-Star game was getting like 125. So that's why they stretched that thing. Was it two hours? It was long, yeah. Yeah. I was going back and forth between the All-Star game and that. So it was like, okay, now here are the chickens in the backyard. Didn't they do something on chickens? I missed that part if they did. <laughs> yeah. So that was like three hundred twenty-five dollars or $350,000 per spot. So it was a massive moneymaker for CBS. And I think they paid Oprah either 7 or $9 million to land that interview. That's not a bad payday. No, it's that, not bad. That's pretty good. I mean, BK, I would like to land an interview with you. Tell all if we can. That's big. Tanner, how much would you pay for that? Oh, at least $5. An interview with BK? Tell all. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I've got some good stuff in here. Tell to, all. To, to be fair, I talked with him a lot when we did the Blues game on Saturday, so I don't know how much more I'm going to learn. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Yeah, it says they were not paid for the... I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about Oprah here. Yeah, and CBS. CBS made plenty of money off of that interview, for sure. they made a lot of money. So, anyway, the original point was I got home, uh, went on, like, a little five-minute walk run, or five-mile walk run deal, and then I... Well, before that, then I started watching, um, some spring training baseball. Then I got home, watched more spring training baseball. Then I went to bed watching spring training baseball because that's what I do. Watched the Reds for a while, saw that they're changing. Joey Votto has changed his stance. He's more upright to hit for power. He's always tinkering yep. with his stance. For a guy that is as good as he is, borderline Hall of Famer, man, does he tinker with his stance. That's kind of like, uh, there, you know, there's different guys. That I always say they're, 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 this player's the... The man of a thousand stances. You know what I mean? You, you have those players that just are always tinkering. Remember Albert who just looks the same way that he did whenever he first came up in the bigs. Guy every time. 
there's Albert, there's the scowl, and there's a rope. Hit somewhere, rocket to left, rocket to right, and nothing changes. You know, Molina did that when he first came up. Molina would change a lot. And I think more he's pretty much the same now that you see when um, he first came up. But we're about a weekend, and we thought this would be kind of fun to see what has stood out thus far in this camp. And I I think... As much as things change, they're the same. And the guy that stands out to me in this camp so far, old Uncle Charlie. I mean, the first the first game, two innings, 20 pitches. And it, it just looked like he picked up right where he left off. And he's efficient in how he's getting outs. And I wonder if it's been a – and I wish I was down there so I could talk to Mike Maddox about this. But I got to wonder if it's a point of emphasis at some point. In, in general, you would say this, but – Pitch to contact, which is something that Dave Duncan used to say all the time to his guys. And he loved talking about two-seamers to get the ball sinking, get ground balls, pitch to contact. And I wonder with this defense, when you add a Nolan Arenado and you have Paul DeYoung, who's been a finalist for a gold glove, and you've got Goldschmidt, who's who's got a gold glove, Tommy Edmond may be a finalist for a gold glove. He's going to be very good. If you say, boys, be efficient. Be efficient inside the zone. Make a premium on not walking anybody. Watch Adam Wainwright. He is efficient, man. And him, and it's like, man, does this guy know how to pitch or what? It's just as much as things change, they are the same. Watching old Uncle Charlie do his magic. It's just fun watching him pitch. And so Tanner said, hey, what stood out for you in the first uh, week of this spring training? And I'm like, well, you know, Lane Thomas, a couple of nice plays yesterday. He's off to a good start in camp. Good to see Tyler O'Neill hit a home run. I think Alex Reyes looks sensational coming out of the bullpen. I mean, he's lights out. Hasn't walked anybody. He's been awesome. Blowing people away. Throwing strikes. That's consistency. I want to see that from him. But, man, old Uncle Charlie, he looks great. That is what stood out for me. Yeah, and to your point on pitching to contact, I think that that plays for this rotation as a whole as well. And I think we talked – We've spent so much time uh, talking about the projections over the last few months, right? And one thing that they don't seem to capture is what the defense is that's playing behind these pitchers. Because they basically say, like, hey, if there was a neutral defense behind them, it was league average, what would this pitcher be like? Well, that's not who they're pitching in front of. No. Like, you build a staff to play to your ballpark, to play to your defense, and the Cardinals put a massive emphasis on both of those two things. It's a pitcher's park, and they have arguably not certainly the best defense in all of baseball potentially going into this season. And so you got a guy like Wayno that pitches to context. Yeah. He's going to be a lot better here than he is in Cincinnati. KK pitches to contact. He's going to be much better here than he is elsewhere. And so that's why I have so much confidence in part in this rotation. The guy that stood out to me though, you mentioned him there, Dan, it's Lane Thomas. We've talked, we talked going into last year about how he might be the answer in left field. This is why what you've seen from him so far. I mean, you saw the two outstanding diving plays in in center yesterday. He made a great hit yesterday. He's now five for 13 so far in spring training. And listen, spring training numbers are what they are, but he looks good. Like he looks like the guy that we saw in 2019 that became a revelation here in St. Louis prior to getting hurt. I think he's going to fit more into this outfield mix than a lot of people are expecting. I know they want that power from O'Neal, but God, Lane Thomas does so many things well. And he's finally healthy and he had two sliding catches and here's the thing about that that gets overlooked with lane thomas and i I don't think it gets enough attention when he is right 
he can play defense and he's on par with Bader. He's on par. So if you have a right-hander up and Lane Thomas is putting up numbers offensively, and I know we talk about shifting Carlson maybe to center, what about Lane Thomas? Why not give him a run? And if he continues to play and he gets a chance to get a run out there and he have consistent at-bats, meaning that he's playing in back-to-back games, why not make him the guy that maybe has that run in center field? In fact, I think you could make a case for a platoon in center, Dan, that would also be a platoon as your leadoff hitter. Like if you had yep. Harrison Bader against lefties as your leadoff guy and then Lane Thomas against righties as your leadoff guy, both of whom are playing in center field, playing great defense out there, that suddenly makes your outfield mix look a lot better. Now, let's advance the story. What do we want to see this week? Well, the, the number one thing for me this week, Miles Michaelis. I, I got to see how he, and we talked about this, I got to see how he comes out of this bullpen session in, in two days and comes out, number one, to have it. What's the ball look like coming out of his hand, and how does he recoup the next day and the day after that and so on and so forth? The uh, The next thing I want to see, I, I got to see Jordan Hicks in a game. I want to see Jordan Hicks in some competition. Now, by all accounts, hey, he's looked great. He's looked sensational in the backfields, but I want to see him in a game. I want to see him light it up. And when people finally see him, and this includes even the guys in that dugout, the guys in his uniform, the same uniform, see him throwing and doing what he can do and understand that that weapon is there and it's materialized and that he's over the hump with that injury, BK, then you realize, oh, he's he's back. Okay, all right, slide him in, late-inning situations, however you want to use him initially, maybe not full guns ablazing, so to speak, but that makes a massive difference with your bullpen. I, I think that's something to watch out for here in the next week or two. I want to see Harrison Bader get back into the lineup. Um, this kind of I think, tomorrow. Yeah, this kind of went under the radar last week. And it, again, kind of like early on with Miles Michaelis, not alarm bells, just something to keep an eye on. Um, it, they're saying that it's it's a little bit of an arm issue right now. Seems like it's probably more whenever he's throwing than it is when he's hitting, according to Mike Schultz's comments. I'm not super worried about it. I just want to see him get back into the lineup, be okay, look good out there defensively, and when that happens, it'll 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 quell any of my concerns. Uh, but for the here and now, that that's one thing that I want to see this week, kind of like with you with Jordan Hicks. I have no concerns about Hicks right now. I just want to see him go up against yeah. live hitting. I don't have a whole lot of concerns about Bader. I just want to see him get back out there so I don't eventually start having concerns about him. And one more guy I want to see, actually two players that intrigue me. Um, one is an obvious one, Nolan Gorman. I want to see more of him. He has really looked good at third. Can he break? Is there a way that he could make this big league club on opening day? I, the only way I could see it is if Nolan Arenado got hurt. Okay. And even then, I think it's Carpenter that would make that run. And Carpenter has not looked good so far. He's hitless this far for spring. Um, and, and he's got to get plate appearances one way or another. But I'll tell you this. He has really impressed me defensively. He is looking the part. He's made three really good plays um, and made all the the routine plays. Do I think he could break camp with this team? No. Would I be intrigued with it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just thinking, like, you get to June if this team has an injury on the infield somewhere. and I mean, even if he's a utility guy, because that's the thing about him right now is you can plug him in at second if need be there. He's got to play. He, he, he's 20 years old, so he's got to get consistent at bats. Um, the other guy that I've seen that I like, I didn't know much about him, but the more I'm watching him, the more I like him is Rondon. And he's got a little bit of major league service. He's 27, I believe. Hit a home run the other day. Can play shortstop, can play second base. 
I'm not sure what they think of him. If he, if he's more of just a stopgap guy in the minor leagues, and if they had issues, he'd come up. I like what I see. Now, again, you don't buy into everything you watch in spring training. You don't buy into everything you watch in September. However, just watch. Let's just see how it plays out. I think it's interesting. I heard you talking about this a little bit with uh, Randy earlier today. <laughs> Delvin Perez, anything there? He's, you know, he's only 22. Now he's he's improved his body, and I give him credit because he realized... He looks like a different dude. He can pick it. He's a good defensive player, and he's worked a lot with Jose Okendo, but he's got to show he can hit. And if he can't hit, then there's not going to be a place for him. Now, they don't have a lot of depth at middle infield in the minor leagues. Now... They do have Mason Wynn, who is a dual shortstop middle infield pitcher, but he's a long ways away. So it, this is time for Delvin Perez to show he's he's got to make an impression. And when he did not go to satellite camp, I think that was eye-opening for him. But those are those top prospects that, hey, we're, we're trying to keep you somewhat sharp. Didn't get the invite. Didn't go. Didn't even go at the tail end. That would be eye-opening for me. And this is his career. Now, again, he's only 22, that would be eye-opening for me. I don't know if you agree. I totally agree, and it seems like based on his comments to Derek Gould, by the way, great piece over in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch over the weekend from Derek Gould on uh, Delvin Perez. seems like that was probably the case for him. I, mean, yeah. I, I think he's been kind of open and honest about the fact that he's like, hey, I, I didn't take this seriously enough. I just wanted to go play the games. I wasn't worried about the process to getting to the games. And now I'm focusing more on the process. And that's, he came back to camp and you saw the pictures. I mean, you, you could see them on the, in the off season on Instagram and he's, he's big, he's built. And, and that's about both on and off the field. Yes. Understanding this is my career and, and now it's, let's go. You know, you're 22, you're in the system for five years. It's time to get it going. Well, think about it, Dan. He, he came into a bunch of money at yep. a very young age um, and he was given, I think it was like a $3 million signing bonus or something like that. That's and, right you're a young kid and you start having things that are accessible to you that were never available to you prior to that moment. And so, yeah, it it can be overwhelming and we see this all the time, but hopefully now that was a little bit of a wake up call for him last summer. He comes into camp this year. He looks like he's taking things more seriously, both on and off of the field. And if he does develop into, even if it is a utility infielder, that's a worthwhile player to have in your system. I had to laugh the other day. I was on Twitter and I saw a picture of Juan Soto and a guy said, by the way, this is just a reminder that here's, and it was a Juan Soto who is very built, you know, big dude. And he goes, this guy is supposed to be a college senior. <laughs> it's Juan Soto, who's one of the best players in the league. Juan Soto, by the way, there's a piece over on the Athletic this morning comparing him to Ted Williams. Hey, the the numbers, numbers are ridiculous. Yes, I mean it's it's absurd. Yeah, I you know when when I was seeing the the numbers with um, Fernando Tatis Jr. and we talk about the great players in the game, I, I, am I far fetched as saying that we forget? Juan Soto. Oh, no, he's the he forgotten guy because you had Acuna, you had Fernando Tatis Jr., um, you had the everything surrounding Bryce Harper for so many years, Mike Trout. It, we just kind of skipped. Yeah, we, we basically Betts. skipped over Juan Soto despite the fact that he was a massive piece of a team that went to the World Series right. what, two years ago now. I, I, I just, I'm kind of like, wait a minute, this, <laughs> is people forget how good this guy is? He's amazing. You know, I just, I, I find that kind of funny that we forget. I think he's, part of it too is what happened last year with the weird start to the year for him where he didn't what, play for he like won the, the first batting two title or whatever. I know, and no I know. one talks about it. He's an amazing player. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise.
Well, one of my favorite people in the game of baseball. It was so unfortunate last year not to have the chance to visit with him when he would come through St. Louis, and that's Tim Kirchin of ESPN. And, Tim, it's Dan McLaughlin alongside uh, Brandon Kylie here on 101 ESPN. Great to hear your voice. How are things going? Uh, they're okay, uh, Dan, Brandon. I'm not at spring training for the first time in 40 years because of COVID and because of access and everything else. So no sympathy required, no whining here, but I would much rather be uh, in Jupiter, Florida right now than in my office in Darnstown, Maryland. But still, I'm covering the game. I'm working every day. I did two games on TV last week. I'm writing all the time. So could be a lot worse. I just wish I was in Florida or Arizona. Yeah, I, I get you. I, I feel the same way. We're doing the games virtually. When do you think that's going to open up and you're going to be able to get to some ballparks at, at some point this summer? Uh, sure hoping by the summer. Um, you know, by July the 4th, we'll, we'll just make a date. But who knows? Who knows what co- where COVID's going to take us? Who knows if fans in the stands, what that's going to mean? I hope it means a lot. I hope we fill ballparks by the the middle of the summer, but I'm just not sure. I'm just a tiny bit worried that, you know, when you do games virtually like this, some people aren't even positive where you are and it saves a lot of money when you don't have to travel, but please put me back on the road so I can go to real ballparks because Dan, Brandon, as you know, there is no substitute for being at the ballpark. Isn't that the truth? Uh, let's ask you about the Cardinals of 2021. They re-signed Yachty, Wayno. They bring in Arenado. How do you like this club? Uh, I like them more than any team in the Central. I think they've moved to the front, um, I think, rather obviously almost. Uh, the Cubs haven't gotten better. The Reds have taken a step backwards without Trevor Bauer. Brewers have done some interesting things lately, and they're dangerous. But I think the Cardinals are the best team in the division. I like their pitching, especially when everybody's healthy. And getting Jordan Hicks back, we'll see what, you know, how much he's got and when he's going to be good again. But Arenado changes the whole dynamic in the infield. With those two guys at the corners now, the defense is completely covered. The offense was desperate for another middle-of-the-order hitter, and he is just that. And I think he'll be very productive in St. Louis, away from Colorado. And for what it's worth, I grew up watching Brooks Robinson play third base. He's the greatest defensive third baseman of all time. But after that, I would probably go Arenado, then Scott Rowland for the ones that I've seen. And uh, Cardinal fans will know all about that pretty soon. Sam, I was watching the game yesterday, and it was just amazing. So you've got Yachty behind the plate, who's been doing this now for 15 years, and there's a prospect on first base, and Yachty basically dares him to steal second, and then on a changeup, he's able to throw him out at second. No, by the way, on the mound, you've got Adam Wainwright, who also has been doing this now for 15 years, and looks like the best pitcher down at spring training right now. Can you believe that these guys are still doing it at such a high level at this latter stage of their career? Well, frankly, I'm really not because that's how exceptional they are. Adam Wainwright has the perfect body to pitch in the big leagues, and he's got a really good understanding of what he's doing. And I'm not sure I've ever met a catcher who grasps all the parts of the position better than Yachty. That doesn't make him the greatest catcher of all time, but as far as understanding his pitcher, positioning defenders, knowing exactly what the hitter is planning to do in this spot. 
And but for him to move that well behind the plate after all these years is remarkable, and he's still a productive hitter. So I, I think this was as important as getting Arenado was getting those two guys back in because trust me, you guys have been in the clubhouse. When you look in the clubhouse and Yachty and Adam Wainwright are there, all is well. And if they're not there, people would have started asking questions. Isn't that the truth? Um, what is it about Wayno that that allows him to compete at this level with diminished velocity? Uh, he, he's not throwing the mid to high nineties anymore. He still has a breaking ball that is very good. As a matter of fact, statistically, it's about as good as it was ten years ago. Is that the difference, or what is it with Wayno that allows him, to, in your opinion, Tim, to compete at this uh, level still? Well, he's really smart, and he really understands the art of pitching, and he can recognize, as Clayton Kershaw has recently and others have in baseball history, that I'm not at this velocity anymore. I have to adjust. But the really smart pitchers can get our remarkably good hitters out today just by outsmarting them. And typical Adam Wainwright can see – Everyone's trying to go deep here. They're all concerned about launch angle. If I can get the ball above the barrel, I can get. I don't just get them out. I'm going to strike them out. That's what really smart, artful pitchers can do. Recognize I'm not what I used to be. What do I have to do to get people out? That's what Adam Wainwright does just about as well as anyone. Tim, I'm curious. We're talking to Tim Kirkshin, an MLB writer and analyst for ESPN and ESPN.com. As you're watching these games down in spring training right now, I was taken aback when I was watching the first Cardinals game, and it was like, oh, they're they're doing what now? They're, they're rolling over an inning? And then you had a pitcher that started the game, and then he came out in the middle of the first inning, came back for the second inning. What have you made for about some of these rule changes that we've seen in spring training this year? Do you do you like them? Do you think it's just kind of a necessity with the way that things are going because of COVID? Uh, what, what have you thought about that side of things in spring training this year? Well, I'm 64 years old, so I don't like any of this stuff. However, this is a COVID-affected spring training. It's going to be a COVID-affected season. And the only goal should be to get through this thing in one piece. And if that means seven-inning doubleheaders, count me in, even though I hate the idea. Put a runner in second to start the 10th, hate the idea, like it during COVID because it's going to keep people healthy. And in theory, it's going to allow us perhaps to get in more games. This whole rollover thing, mercy rule, whatever you want to call it, sorry, I just don't get it. But if we're trying to protect our players, and that's the most important thing right now, Kevin Cash told us this the other day on the broadcast, that's what we got to do. We got to protect our players. So if one of our guys is having a bad inning, Let's get them out of there before any damage is done. I always thought, though, you got to learn how to get out of a bad inning. you got to try to figure out how to get somebody out when you don't have your best stuff. And we're not teaching them to do that at least the first week of spring training. Do you think there's any way we have the DH even before the, uh, the first pitch is thrown to the regular season? I don't think it's going to happen but look we we had expanded playoffs last year announced like 30 minutes before max Scherzer's exactly first pitch of the season so you know we're, we're we're changing the rules on the fly but no i don't see i think it's a very very small chance that we'll have a dh in the national league this year and i'm confused if you're trying to keep the players healthier and you can give paul goldschmidt four at bats but get him off his feet for a game 
Why wouldn't you do that? Me, I would have all the pitchers bad. That's what I would do. I just want the same set of rules in each league. It seems ridiculous to me. We have two sets of rules we have since 1973. But, yes, it seems this is the logical time to have the DH in both leagues, and I'm perplexed why we don't have it. That's Tim Kirkchen, MLB writer and analyst for ESPN.com. Always appreciate his time here on 101 EST, ESPN. Tim, you're the best, my friend. We look forward to being able to talk with you again soon. All the best to you and the family. Okay, guys. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors, We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.